Welcome back to the Big Freedom Show. I'm one of your co-hosts, Charlie Thompson. With me, as always, the King, John King, and Nate Thurston. We don't have much time today, guys. We're we're kind of running a tight ship here, so we got to dive right in. And uh, Nate, if you didn't think I was gonna not gonna call you out on this show, <laughs> dang it, for for ma- uh, for pushing us along and not giving us enough time, you know, just to, to kind of have a cool band. We appreciate and stuff him like showing that. up, yeah. but I mean, I'm not sure about his priorities. And not only that, but he tops it off <laughs> with not bringing the whiskey of the week when it's his turn. What uh, is happening? So. Unfortunately, we've suffered a tragedy thanks to Nate's irresponsibility with the Whiskey of the Week. And we'll get into the review in a second, <laughs> and uh, we can we can keep blasting him because he deserves it. <laughs> I, <laughs> with every sip. It's like daggers to the heart. I but appreciate no, it. Look, we're all three normal guys, very busy. We all have you know regular jobs. We do this because we love it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. But we are going to dive right in with... The whiskey of the week. <laughs> Nate, what did you not bring? Oh, wait, John, what did you bring this week to make up for Nate's incompetence? So, I, I've got a quick little story here. I had to go to, because Nate <laughs> because Nate was so inept. Because of Nate's ineptness, what do we have over there? So Nate failed to do, any, do his due diligence. <laughs> I think we've... <laughs> told everyone about that so, so far. So I had to go to a questionable liquor store. Uh, their their top shelf is the start of someone else's bottom shelf, typically. <laughs> so um, this week we've got Larceny Bourbon. Um, usually we also have what I would call the swill or a control. Uh, this bourbon isn't even worthy of <laughs> being our control. <laughs> it's really bad. I got to tell you, I mean... Especially for the price, this stuff yeah, this, this is... This stuff clocked in at yeah. $29 plus tax, and it, it tastes like... <laughs> this stuff belongs on the bottom shelf of someone's basement. It's uh, it's a small batch, right? But I'm pretty sure it was aged in the bottle. So, uh, look, I can't even give you any flavor notes on this one. It's, uh, it's Because called... it hurts too bad. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say it's a, a deep, uncomfortable burn. <laughs> uh, so, Larceny... Uh, don't go pick it up. Don't buy it. Don't get it. <laughs> comes in at a crisp $29 a bottle. <laughs> Not worth it. So it comes we from can... our enemies over at Heaven Hill. They do have some <laughs> fine whiskeys, such as Elijah Craig, Elijah Craig 12-year. All the Elijah Craig is good. This is wretched. Well, well, and I love capitalism, though, because they put it in a little bit nicer of a bottle, mm-hmm. and they're making money. No there's one forced reason, us to buy it. There's That's probably the a reason part. this was the only thing left on the shelf there. Because <laughs> it was $29. It was 29 bucks. It was priced out of the neighborhood. <laughs> and they got you. Yeah. Well, all right. Sorry, guys. I had to extend that a little. All right. That was uh, your whiskey of the week. week. We are going to dive right in, guys. Last week, I don't know if you heard, Rand Paul was attacked. Man, this is a sad day for Liberty. On his lawnmower. Mm-hmm. He was just mowing his lawn like a good neighbor. The, the, the mainstream media claim was that it was a landscaping dispute. Which, uh, Nate, I think you verified. I think there's been about 30 neighbors come out and say there's no way it's over <laughs> it was, landscaping. Uh, it, was set, it was in the Washington Post, uh, actually broke this story yesterday. Uh, seven neighbors came out and said that the landscaping dispute was completely made up, that there was no way it had anything to do with landscaping, that the, the Pauls take great care of their yard. Um, and that the this whole was absolutely just weird. It, they said, now this was the seven neighbors that all got together and the Washington Post 
broke the story that this was absolutely about politics, about the fact that this guy is uh, calls himself a socialist. He's very anti-Trump, hashtag whatever uh, liberals hashtag these days. And uh, scream at the sky. Yeah, he was screaming at the. Uh, we even talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, please. Anyway, but th- this is terrible. I'm, how about the fact that a sitting U.S. senator who's been a doctor for a long time mowing his own yard whenever he's home for a few days? I mean, that is con- that is I, a conservative by right another there. doctor too. Yeah, which is that's true. Well, and and that well, that is pretty cool that he does take care of his own lawn as a sitting U.S. senator. But what really pisses me off is the fact that this guy. Um, attacked a sitting U.S. senator who is in public service for the state of Kentucky, and all they charged him with was a misdemeanor that he's pleaded that's, not guilty that's to. That's changing, though. I hope it does, Apparently, because the federal government can still come in. And, I think and, Rand was kind of trying to just make it not a huge deal, but I guess the FBI is supposedly going to be filing charges because it was politically motivated. On top of this, I wanted to tell you guys, I saw a couple articles from we'll just say left-leaning places, making fun of Paul for getting beat up by a guy that was older than him. Even well, GQ. He yeah, had earplugs and was mowing his lawn. Yeah. And that there was someone that said, there was an article entitled Drink Your Milk, Rand Paul, making fun of the fact that he broke six ribs. Now, I mean, come on, at what point in time is that okay to make fun of someone that... And then somehow they're spinning it. This is a the victim's fault because I, in the GQ, you know, Rand Paul wasn't you know an a hole neighbor. This is yeah, a family show, said. so I gotta bleep out the donkey term. <laughs> the it was called that post was that he got beat up because he was an an a hole, which is, I mean, how often does the left preach about not blaming the victim? And here we are blaming the victim all because he's a, he's a Republican. Republican liberty loving. This reminds me of our grass Facebook exchange we had a couple days ago, which normally we don't get into too much uh, social media trolling. But a friend of ours posted something, and uh, the argument quickly devolved into, "I'll beat your ass." <laughs> really, man. Yeah, that, that's literally all he had to say. That, yeah, in an argument that comes right before comparing someone to Hitler, I'm pretty sure. Well, that, it, it stemmed from someone uh, basically calling out for universal health care. And so, you know, our, our friend very appropriately said, you know, you can't have a right that forces someone else into slavery. Mm-hmm. And his response was, I'll beat your donkey. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I had to recover. I don't want any uh, well, FCC fines here. They'll get you, man. They'll get you. I'm pretty sure we can still upload this one with without explicit written on it. <laughs> I'll put a good. Uh, I'll put a good little sound effect in there. Like I just a- wanted to give a little shout out to Rand Paul, though. We all we're all fans of him. We all, uh, you know, it, I believe that we'd be a little bit happier if he would have won the presidency. Probably, um, probably wouldn't be in any wars. No. Uh, Probably some spending cuts by now. More than likely, a lot less federal agencies, more than likely. and um, But I don't know if he could fix the terrible things coming out of Congress while he was president. Because I think we're seeing right now, it doesn't really matter who's in Congress yeah, we've got who, about, who's in the presidency. We have Congress about, is going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. We have about, what, you know, five guys, maybe four guys in the, in the House of Representatives, and we got, what, two? May, not, maybe not even two, maybe just one in Rand Paul in the Senate, and they come out with garbage. Speaking of the Senate, they come out with garbage. Yeah, and, and on that note, we do have a, a local farm consultant here with Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking of pork and pigs, I don't know if you saw the Senate bill that came out. I actually didn't, know. Yeah, so 
we'll go back over to the house here in a minute, but the sentence was so much worse. I feel like we need to start with it. Um, you know, for simplifying the tax code, they were able to come out with a bill with seven brackets. How many do we have now? I think we've got seven right now. I'm pretty sure seven. Oh. Um, so there's seven brackets. There's also uh, all kinds of crazy loopholes still in there. One of them is the carried interest tax loophole, which is basically just for you know private equity funds and uh, hedge funds, mostly private equity. Uh, that's a little loophole that they use to be able to take income at the capital gains rate, even though it's essentially their fee for managing someone's investments. So they're risking someone else's capital and then taking the capital gains rate on that income. So they start a business that manages other people's investments and the money that they make from those people, they get to make as a capital investment? That's correct. Now, what I would say about that is I I almost agree that uh, we should tax everything at that rate would be the way that you would do it because a a business owner (laughs) making money off of their business actually is a capital investment that's paying off. But uh, that's it's not how everyone that, else is taxed Yeah, it's funny because it's literally supposed to be to stimulate investment by individuals. They're not risking anything. So it's not an investment, but they get to take part of their pay at the capital gains rate. And these are these are literally some of the most wealthy people in our whole country. Huh. Yeah, cool. How about that? <laughs> so, so they're managing tax money and then they get taxed on the tax money that they make. Correct. You brought up something about <laughs> farming. What? Uh, uh, oh, where were you going there? No, I mean it was. There's just so much pork in this one. I mean it was. Oh, it was man. like a barnyard creature that they unleashed. I recognize so, pork when I see from it. All from your, sure. all from your conservative Republicans that control <laughs> yeah, I the mean, Senate. It's really pretty awful. The, the House bill appeared to be more simple. They came out with three brackets and they extended some child. Well, four, four if you count brackets those, with if, a with oh, a hidden cr- fifth. You're correct. Yeah, my yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, the, a lot of them they're kind of like branching that off because of the zero bracket. Well, John, we already have seven brackets, and so maybe keeping seven, maybe that's simple. You know, that's that's the simplest way for them. They don't want to change it. You know, we don't want to reduce how much work, or we don't want to reduce like how much work the. If anything the tells you about how simple have. this is, the the House bill I think was 470 pages, and the Senate overview bill this wasn't the actual language was 190 pages the summary of the senate's bill man how much easier would it be if we just had a tax bill that was like three sentences and it said uh your gross income shall be taxed at 14.5 percent which right that's kind of what we income. talked about last week yeah. it's either it's either have that happen or a, a sales tax cool yeah you know or we will charge Fourteen point five percent on every single product you buy. Now yeah. I, I do have to give them the credit end. for one thing. <laughs> now I don't agree with it because it's still social engineering. <laughs> so they're increasing the child tax credit, which whatever. But they at least chose to make the additional six hundred dollars non-refundable, meaning if you aren't paying taxes, you're not going to get that one. Um, but there's an uproar from the left that that doesn't help people with lower incomes with their taxes, the people that already don't pay any taxes. They're just getting, they're going to get less of a check than. Yeah. So they've decided that, you know, middle, middle to upper income families deserve some, a little carve out, but at least they're not giving it back to people that aren't paying in. (laughs) I will point out that Mitch McConnell did officially say today that they can't guarantee that people aren't going to see a tax increase after this bill. It, it's almost like a political hit at this point because yeah. they're they're getting rid of the state and local tax deduction, which I think the official show position would be this is a good thing. But 
it is going to be a huge tax increase on those people. That sounds like Mitch McConnell coming out and saying, uh, I can't guarantee that I'm a conservative. Yeah, he definitely can't guarantee that. <laughs> no. Now, there is one thing, and this actually hit the stock market pretty good. The, I did see the corporate tax they're proposing was down the 20, right? And But that doesn't take effect for a year. The, the Senate bill, it doesn't take effect for a year. The House bill, it's immediate. Okay. But they are saying with both of them, immediate, full expensing. So if you go buy a, go another farm reference, if you go buy a combine for $200,000 or how much do those cost? And, like 500. Yeah. Oh, 500. 500. Sorry, I'm back in the 80s. <laughs> um, if you do go buy that, you are at least able to take that whole deduction right then. So in theory, that would stimulate some spending because people would buy new equipment to not you know, to be able to save on Wait, their So they bill. opened up deductions and you say that they can take the whole deduction. Yeah. That. So it's basically full expensing. That's in both plans. And I mean, we'd say that's a... I will tell you, that's actually a pretty good thing from growing up on a farm. The, the time that um, the time that my my dad went from being a, a poor farmer to being able to build himself into a non-poor farmer uh, was actually during the, during the Bush era, whenever they were allowing you to take all of the deductions. And that was a really big deal because at that time he was buying everything he could to expand. he was coming up expand. from the bottom like, end. This is the best time to expand my business right now because, hey, I got to pay taxes. I might as well be getting an actual value and, and a, an asset for for taking this off of and my taxes. And that probably increased his efficiency dramatically. So he was, able, he was able to take <laughs> his capital and reinvest it to, to grow the business and yeah. provide even more jobs. And, and he did do that to, to put it up against his income taxes. He they were they were buying new equipment, they were buying land, they were buying all kinds of stuff because it would reduce their their actual taxes down to a really low amount. I remember whenever the Bush tax cuts expired, how uh, unhappy everyone was around uh, around the house there because all of a sudden the, let me tell you what, if you ever have to write a check to the government that's got a whole bunch of zeros after it you really start wondering what the heck you're paying for. You might actually drink some of this larceny whiskey. Absolutely. That'd be the only circumstance. How much do you think that the culture of America would change if everybody had to, to just send the government money instead of it being taken There's out? There's a reason it's withheld. It's mm-hmm. so people don't pay attention to it. We would, you would really, really see a big change because people having to write that check and all three of us sitting here own businesses and we know what it's like to look at the end of the year and, and see what you have to pay in in taxes instead of having it taken out every single two weeks or every month. And, uh, man, that's what really makes you ask yourself, what did I just pay for and was it worth it? Would it not have been better if I would have had this money in my pocket to, we to spend on to the things with, that I wanted? With what you were saying about your dad is that literally we're not talking about money from the government. We're talking about letting people keep more of their own money. Yeah. That's ultimately what this comes down to. It's not the government giving you a break. It's you getting to not have your money stolen from you. And I always think like when I see that figure, I'm like, what other things could I have done? I mean, I know for a fact that I could have hired at least one administrative person to take care of some administrative stuff Mm -hmm. if I would have been able to keep that money. So that's one job. I know I could have created one job last year and paid somebody a, a decent amount of money to keep up with my administrative work if I would have been able to keep that money. And that's just your small business and that's that you have one right there. little tiny business and in I, Nashville. Yeah. I think just one final note here. I kind of pulled some numbers. Most of the stuff you're hearing in the media about this tax cut is basically they're, you know, a family a family with two working working parents making seventy two thousand dollars a year will see a twelve hundred dollar tax cut. Well, that's they're barely paying taxes at that point. 
So I ran mine off of if you have, you know, two children, dual income family making $140,000 a year. Um, under the Senate plan, you would technically do a little bit better. You'd probably save about 6000 bucks, which that's good. But let's keep in mind, that's just at the expense of someone else. They're just pushing the, you know, the shell game is happening. They're just pushing the burden around. Because we're not reducing the amount of expenditures that the government no. has at all. We're, we're just shifting around the tax brackets. And people and that, would argue, it. yes, there's a, there's a $1.5 trillion hit to the deficit for this. So, sure, there is some of this happening. But really, that's probably more coming from the corporate side. Well, and, John, I heard a uh, radio advertisement on my way here from Bob Corker. And, look, they're going to take care of that deficit with growth. So don't you worry about it. They don't need to change what they're spending they at all. They don't need to no. care about spending because the growth. We don't have a spending problem. We have an economic growth and I, problem. And I think this is just an example of they're just banking on everyone being uneducated. And yeah. hopefully we can help with that a little bit. That's a makes you wonder. I was thinking yesterday because I was so disappointed about this tax bill. I was like, man, what is the problem? And at the end of the day, it comes down to the the responsibility of every person that lives in this country uh, and not caring and not being and educated they, they enough. They won't take the time to understand <laughs> yeah. it. And really what we're having happen is the people that are, you know, what's come out is that basically the bottom 50% pay no taxes. Those are the only people making any noise. And the problem is you have, and I love my aunt to death, but I am going to say something. Uh-oh. I had a, my aunt was talking this to me about personal. this. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but if she happens, <laughs> she happens to listen to well, it, we she, don't know she which aunt knows. this is. And I love her to death, but she is just a huge, like, I'm just a Republican and I'll believe whatever happens. And she told me that, you know, she's like, what's wrong with the tax bill? Because I was listening to this show host and he said that it was good and he's got a background in finance. So it's good. I'm just like, you know, one thing we try to do here at the big freedom show is that we're always going to try to just present the facts to you and, and hopefully and show you the side of Liberty that comes with that. And what you have to do is, is don't take our word for it. Don't take anybody else's word for it. You've got to research this stuff on your own. Maybe like what we're saying is sparking some interest, but you've got to be willing to, if you care, you've got to be willing to step up and say, I need to know what's going to happen because this is going to affect me and my family. And we want to move closer towards Liberty. So how do we do that? And then that's when change starts taking place. And so that's what, that's what we're all about here. That's what we're trying to bring about. And we want to get, provide you with the best information so you have the tools and, to and go that's out. that's what every single one of you guys should do is look at your income, run the numbers on these things, spend the 10 minutes and find out, you know, first of all, you got to find out if it's going to benefit or hurt you. And then you have to decide if even if it's going to benefit you, if it's a good thing, that's not always a good thing. The government picking winners and losers is not good. And so you've got to kind of square that out. I think the best thing for them to do, everyone just go to... HuffingtonPost.com, look, you know, you can find a lot of good information on taxes and uh, expenditures right there. Or Vox, you go to Vox after that, you know, be a great, great time. um, Actually, don't go to those websites. Nate is fake news. Yeah. I think uh, Huffington Post is one of those satire sites, right? Like the Onion? Yeah, pretty close. Okay, that's what I thought. Although they've shocked me a few times. I can't think of any articles off the top of my head, but I think maybe twice I've been like, Wow, Huffington Post, really? <laughs> wow, they did. Uh, speaking of the Huff- Huffington Post, they did write a hilarious article 
on our next topic, which is trade. This well, hold, hold on, we skipped something. <laughs> Nate this got is, something pretty cool this week that we're a little bit envious of. Do we even care about what Nate has right now after everything he's done to us? <laughs> Let's not. Well, after the larceny, it's questionable. You don't think I skipped him on purpose? With every sip, it's like a dagger going deeper to the spleen. That's just in all seriousness, we we love Nate, and uh, we're all we, busy we, guys. Hold on, we usually love Nate. Yeah, we're not all busy today. guys. You know, I'm sure John's going to be late showing up to his house one day. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know he's gonna be on time crunch, but oh man, no, Nate, uh, Nate, you did get something new this week, and uh, I, everybody's talking about it. We may as well too. This is a new segment, I guess. Uh, it looks good. Yeah, it's it looks, bright. <laughs> it looks really nice. Um, I have. Let's it. call it Nate Nology. <laughs> Nate Nology. Gotcha. <laughs> That's not too bad. Not too bad. Um, yeah, I got this nice, shiny new iPhone X right here. Uh, 10, 10, I believe. Say. In my opinion, if you want it to be called iPhone 10, then put a freaking number after it like so all the other ones. You don't believe in Roman numerals. I don't. I've never, um, I, I never have. I think they're doing this to start. Real. It would be the X1, the X2, That's, or, the, or the iX. It's not a terrible idea. It's getting weird. <laughs> they have to know that the with the lack of Roman numerals being used and every other thing that we do in the rest of our lives that most people are just going to say X, I'm not sure Snapchat can process Roman numerals. No, I don't besides, think it can. Besides the Super just Bowl, explode. I mean... The Super Bowl is the only reason that we have Roman numerals still. So, so this is the Super Bowl of phones. Tell yeah. us about it so far. Well, it's got a, a big old screen on it. It's pretty cool. Um, it's the same size as your regular iPhone, but the screen is bigger than the screen on the plus-size iPhone. So wrap your head around that. The whole front of it is a screen. I'm sure you've seen the commercials with all those little uh, swirly colors going around on it. Um, I haven't seen it do that yet, but I, I know it will. It's pretty cool, the facial recognition. I just unlocked it um, while I was looking at it, and there's no home button. And I got to tell you, that's faster. It's faster than not have a home button. It took me about an hour to get over the fact that there wasn't one, and now I'd be really annoyed if I had to push a button down there. And now, now I just swipe, and just swipe around. So, are you happy the government did not mandate a home button on all devices? I am very happy that they that they did not do that. Yeah, um, I'm also, you know, I'm just really happy that uh, that you got me this phone, John. I and mean, that's really <laughs> nice of you. That's uh, you know what else is amazing when I call you, you answer. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And, and uh, I can hear you, no, and you can hear that, me. Is that because the, the iPhone 10? No, I think so. For the longest time uh, in my job, I, I do uh, some construction work. I have a some, construction business. Put glue in it or something. And uh, no, I I was, was refinishing. Caulking. I was refinishing a shower, <laughs> and uh, the refinishing stuff it gets a. It's called tough as tile, and it really does get pretty hard. Not just like tile, but that's what it's called. But uh, sounds anyway, like you're a NASCAR driver. Yeah, <laughs> it uh, <sighs> it got in there like in the speaker and in the microphone and all that kind of stuff. And for the longest time now, I haven't been able to answer my phone and hear what anyone was saying. And I was out of warranty uh, claims. So, oh, John, getting crazy with the ice over there. But yeah, um, I can now answer my phone and I can talk on it. And it's pretty cool. That's all I got. So I would recommend the iPhone 10 to everyone who is looking for that new iPhone. John has an 8 Plus, and uh, John, would you say that you um, would rather 
keep your phone or it'd be cool if you have a 10 instead. Well, and keep this, in mind, he's you've looked at it for, what, 30 seconds? Yeah. The screen's pretty dramatically better. It's pretty nice. Now, one a little thing, they did say it has a chance of the burn-in effect because of the OLED uh, display that there is a chance that it I could burn in. I think as long in. as we keep phones, I'm cool. Yeah, we'll be okay. You know what will happen if it does burn in? I'll go get another one. Or you'll leave it in the backseat of an Uber or something. Yeah, I have a hard time with phones. Tell you what. Yeah, so just a a quick funny thing. So Nate's on my business plan. That's what he was joking about. Yeah. And I've had more. Uh, We've got six people on there. And I've had more insurance claims from Nate than everyone else combined by (laughs) a multiple of like three. Why wasn't I invited to that party? Because you you weren't around at the moment. You wanted to have Verizon instead. That is true. (laughs) Honestly, I don't care what anybody says. I, they do suck, but for for as far as coverage goes, I mean, Verizon definitely is still in the lead. Yeah, for sure. But so, if you live in a big city, I mean, T-Mobile, you know, not bad. So we got one, one more feature, and since Nate's in such a big hurry after blessing us with the terrible larceny event and uh, <laughs> telling us that, you know, we couldn't waste any time by the way when we refer to larceny that is that's larceny that is the whiskey that's the name of the whiskey i don't think it's worthy of being called whiskey we're calling it swill for the rest of the day um (laughs) the swill anyway so we've got one thing left to talk about which is tariffs Mm. got any thoughts on that nate well trump so trump is doing his asia tour right now 15 yeah, that was what kind of sparked this and I saw, I saw an article the other day i guess he wasn't supposed to go to south korea but he did end up going there playing golf with uh matsuyama and someone else i can't remember but i saw his golf swing on uh golf channel how did it look it was it was it wasn't uh great but he does strike the ball well i mean the dude is like a seriously like a two handicap for all you golfers out there that's pretty incredible um considering I've played a lot of golf, and, and I mean, I could definitely beat Nate, which is awesome. Congrats. And uh, <laughs> I'm like a 12 handicap, so, I mean, that's pretty impressive to to average only two over. So he's claiming to be over there fighting. As, essentially, it's for to deal with North Korea, mm-hmm. which we've already kind of addressed that a little bit. And then also, he's supposed to be renegotiating trade deals and reestablishing American dominance in the region. <laughs> Not sure how he's doing there. I don't know. Could he have not done that over the phone, you think? Or he needed to do all this traveling around over there? I guess it's better to be Jets in person, are pretty cool. maybe. I Jets mean, are cool. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably okay for him to go around and, and do that. I'm not a fan of the of the tariffs, to tell you the truth. I, I mean, I know you've got some actual details in here about he, what's he going on. He loves tariffs. Um, I'm going to go with mine first. Well, go ahead. And go. honestly, I wouldn't mind tariffs if we didn't have to pay an income tax. If we... You jumped to my ending conclusion. Oh, no. Look. That's okay. No, I, I would be cool with that, too, because that's actually how our first. government was funded prior to the income tax primarily, right? Isn't yeah, that's what I understood. It was it essentially just existed off of that because it was sort of lean and mean and national defense only and everything else was done by the states. So, yes, cool if no income tax, no other taxes. But unfortunately, the beast is big. I'd like to argue with that later if you want to go to it later. OK, we'll, we can we'll do double it back now. around okay. so Nate can pummel us. All right. <laughs> um, the, the first thing that I wanted to bring up, because this sort of directly affects me, I'm in the process of trying to get started building a house. And um, as part of making America great again, um, Mr. Trump decided to make America quite poor again. Um, 
he wanted to, in order to help with the lumber industry here in our country, he thought that the Canadians were unfairly subsidizing lumber that was being brought across. And the thing is, um, they prefer Canadian lumber here mainly because it's it's a lighter wood, actually, and so it's easier to drive nails into. And what essentially the, the trade organizations here were complaining that Canada was getting a they were subsidizing the, the the lumber that was coming in. And what it amounts to is they have large amounts of timber that are part of national forests and things like that. And basically the Canadian government was just allowing loggers to come in and log the lumber because the forests were too thick. So we were kind of whining over here, the unions were and whatnot. And so Mr. Trump decided to slap a nice tariff on this because he said that was an unfair practice to American workers. And now as a result... Uh, the the lumber prices have gone up almost sixty percent since he's been elected, and this is what I hate. This is, and this is always the uh, you know the if you read economics in one lesson, it's always the the A B and C part of the equation. Everyone always sees the first interaction of you know the American business and the American jobs that may be suffering a little bit. Right. If if Canada subsidizes lumber, you can't I mean, we can obviously say that the business, the American business is suffering maybe a little bit. But at the same time, what you don't realize is the C part of the equation, which is all the consumers are now subsidizing one American company or maybe a couple American yeah, companies. I mean, so for, you've got for me, this is a thirty thousand dollar hit on lumber for a normal house. This is not a mansion. It's absurd. So really, and I don't know the exact numbers, but you basically have you know, let's say a hundred thousand American citizens subsidizing a thousand American right. workers. And for example, like that OSB, fair? you know, just the normal, you know, the boards that go on the outside of a house, those have doubled in price since Trump was elected. It's you know I'm really glad that he chose to help that really small industry yeah. and you know also the railways are getting hurt pretty bad but literally everyone building a house right now is getting screwed but he really you know he got for those people that well, just they like, voted for him he's making <laughs> he's making them great again just like what Charlie said that that that's the main argument right there is that we had a cheaper way to get lumber which was from Canada we have companies in the U.S. that yes they have lumber and and how many people do you think work for those companies it could be. A thousand could be ten thousand people, something like that. But now every single person that wants to build a house in the United States has now got to pay more money yeah, for and, their lumber. And we undoubtedly have a housing shortage right now. Yeah, I mean, especially with first-time home buyers that are trying to buy houses that are say, which this sounds ludicrous, but I mean, less than two hundred thousand dollars. Those people are screwed right now. Mm-hmm. And especially in and, areas, you know, like Nashville is not a very big city, but to try to find a house that's under 200 grand, I mean, good luck. It's very difficult. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You can be in a bad neighborhood. You're still going to spend 200 grand. You're, and, you're 160, 180 for the worst neighborhood in Nashville. And, and it's getting to where you just can't rise up out of this. They're making it too expensive. And so people are then forced to rent. The rents go up. So many unintended consequences, as always. Thanks, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what's so difficult to see. It's, it's, it's honestly sometimes difficult to explain, but that's what is so hard for people to, I guess, comprehend is when you think about whatever the government is doing to help a certain entity. It's hurting somebody else. They're usually screwing over at least 10 times more people. So, <laughs> and, and honestly, free trade, the reason why we advocate for free trade is because it allows for people, human beings, to get the most 
amount of goods for the cheapest price with the best quality. That's all free trade does. I'm not saying that the, you know, the free market doesn't have issues. Every market has issues. But the most fair way for a free market and free trade is that it allows the consumer to purchase the cheapest product for the cheapest price at the best quality. And this really is the best thing for an economy. I've said this before on this program, that the best thing for your economy is that everything is done the cheapest and most efficient way possible when everyone can spend the least amount of money on every good and service and have the most amount of money left over for other things. That's the best thing for an economy. And I think the the main thing there is that people have the availability to make, they have the, the choice that they can make. They can choose to buy the lower quality good, possibly at a lower price, or if they want something different, they can pay a premium for that. Yeah, or they can even, you we're, know... We're giving people an option and allowing them to make a decision. Imagine can, that. They can choose to buy the American-made wood, or they can buy the, the Canadian. And uh, if they want to support American businesses and they think that that's the most important thing they can do, what I'll tell you is that they're not helping American businesses by doing that. They're helping that one American business. But by that person who said, who maybe has... $100,000 to spend on materials for a house, um, and they spend all of it versus, let's say, they bought everything from Canada, and it costs them $70,000 instead. Mm-hmm. Well, then they have $30,000 that they can give to other businesses for other things. Yeah, li- limiting choice is never You, you get more things for your $100,000 whenever you have free trade than whenever you have these tariffs and all of these taxes. Uh, you end up just getting one thing for that total amount of money, and that is not the way to run an efficient economy. I do have one question for you, Nate. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just more of a devil's advocate type of thing, but what about in a scenario like China where you have kind of near slave labor happening at times? It's not so bad anymore. Do you just sort of see the the market sort of sorts that out? Because, you know, for example, with Apple, they're, you know, basically pressuring these factories to have more humane conditions. What's what's your thought on that? Uh, I think that comes up to the American... Consumers, I think most of us don't uh, agree with the slave labor if they actually are having slave labor. Now, in some of these countries, that job at that sweaty factory is the best thing that could have ever happened in your whole life because what is what's there in the absence of that job? Most people don't ever ask that question like, oh, this, let's just say it's a kid, and I'm going to sound like a terrible person here, but let's say a family, the whole family is working at a shoe factory in Indonesia somewhere. And uh, it's terrible, no air conditioning, which, by the way, human beings have lived without air conditioning for quite some time now. But they're working in this factory. And what's the alternative to that factory leaving and going out of town? What are they going to do then? That's the question that no one ever asked. Is this not the best option they have right now in this time? I'm pretty sure they starve in the farm. That is. They, they're all fighting for food the whole time. They, they literally have to, they have to fight to stay alive when there's no businesses there. And a lot of countries have actually seen this happen. When we came in and we said, no, we are not going to buy anything from your factory. We don't agree with the wages that you're paying people. And then what happens is the factory has to leave because we either raise their wages and they can't afford to be there or they just end up leaving. And the people there, they end up going into literally slavery. They end up going into just complete destitute conditions where they're all starving. And they could have been at this factory that you might disagree with 
but it was the best five bucks a day. It was the best option they had. And we have to remember that when we don't meddle in economies, you know, they might be able to get a meal for 10 cents. Yeah. You know, if we st- it's the same thing as like whenever the government gets involved with stuff here. If we come in and start puffing the wages up, all that happens <laughs> is the costs go up. Well, and to your question, John, I want to follow up with Nate with Nate and and say that the market would absolutely take care of it. I mean, look at China in the last 20 years. It is not what it used to be. <laughs> it's not at all because what happens is is they allow businesses to come in. Sure, you know, people are making, you know, 2 bucks a day or whatever, but think of like Nate said, think of the alternative. What were they making 30 years ago? It was less than half of that. And so now but now what do you see? There's not just one company over there in China paying people two bucks a day. The reason why it's gone up to two bucks a day is because more and more companies are moving into the area, which does what? Creates competition. We have to remember we're inflating our costs here. Right. And so if they're able to be more efficient there, they don't have to have the air conditioning. And that sounds terrible, but yeah. you know, they go, okay, you know, we're willing to take some more money. No AC. No, but guess, but people- guess what's going to happen though? A company's going <laughs> to What's going to happen though is a company's going to move in and be like, we're going to offer our, air, our our workers air conditioning, which does what? Creates competition in labor. More people move over there, so other companies have to offer more things to make, remain competitive, and that's the way the market works. And you can look at Chinese history. Nate, I, I, you got a little more on this, but in the last 20 years, since the 90s, well, they've... Uh, they've gone from millions of people starving to death uh, to to very, very, very low. Actually, the number of people that are now obese in China has gone up. In one of the most uh, powerful economies in the tour- world. Yeah, I mean, and one thing I was going to say is... Uh, is that, you know, we hear these numbers like, oh, they live on $2 a day. And then we think, well, man, I live at, there's no way I could live on $2 a day. That's terrible. Well, if you can well, get a loaf of bread for five yeah. cents, I can so live on $2 they a day. Don't, they don't think about that fact. When you hear, oh my gosh, a, a uh, one of these workers in China, they make a dollar a day. Well, exactly. When, the, when their loaf of bread, when their Big Mac costs them two cents instead of a dollar, they're they're still making good money, but no one ever looks at that. And on top of that, one more thing: they've surveyed people in these countries. Just so you know, this is a this is a knowledge also that you can look up or read, you know, read in, in various books. But they've surveyed people in these countries that work at these factories and asked them, "Would you rather have uh, this amount of money per hour, which is what we can afford to pay you and work this many hours, or would you rather us give you a really nice break room?" air conditioning, give you breaks, and make it to where you can't work more than 40 hours a week. And every single time people pick, I want to work 18 hours a day, I want to make whatever I can, because right now all I care about is making some money so I can feed my family. I don't care about the air air conditioning. Real quick, Nate, where are you finding these $1 Big Macs? (laughs) Oh, man, you know what? Where have you been where that exists? (laughs) I do have one more note, too. I was using your employee discount. Just to chime in in and get heavy again. I still have it. I saw this other note today, and it was I could be off by a million, give or take, big margin of error here. But it, basically, I saw that the Chinese middle class is now actually larger than the entire population of the United States. And, <laughs> and that's come to being under that just very oppressive system. But the thing is, we allow those people to work. They Sure, they don't have as, the same amount of freedom, but they do give them the freedom to choose to work. Whereas well, here, think that's about, not an think option. Think about this. If you if you actually look at the Chinese middle class, these people came from nothing, and they're not making their paycheck and just spending every penny they have. They're saving and they're investing it because they understand if we want a bright future for ourselves and for our kids, we've got to save and invest this money so that we can 
eventually make our kids' lives better. And that's how a free market works. That's how it grows and becomes what it is. That's what America did. All this being said, guys, what people really want to hear about is who cares about these people in China? How do, how do all of these Chinese factories help me right now? Why they don't the, I have that job? They make you have a cheap iPhone 10, which is not cheap, mm. but by comparison to what it would be here, that'd be a $2,000 phone here. Yeah. Maybe 5000 And we also <laughs> should note that... You know, they just put the numbers out from China. That was pretty much a make or break thing for Apple, whether or not the Chinese were going to pick up the iPhone 10. You're talking about a thousand dollar cell phone and these people are able to purchase that. So I know we kind of went on a tangent because I was, you know, sort of bringing up the moral quandary there. Mm -hmm. These people are doing well. They're yeah. buying more iPhone 10s than we are probably, <laughs> or at least proportionally. Well, just uh, what what I want to get back around to is how, how does free trade help Everyone, why don't we like tariffs, and why why do we want free trade? That that's the the option for cheap part. goods is is amazing. And what if uh, if all the jobs are gone from America? Uh, then how am I even going to buy a cheap good? I don't even have a job because all the jobs are in Mexico. So how am I even going to buy a cheap good? You think? You know, I'll answer it if you guys don't want to. Well, that was a little bit of a curveball. Oh, we we weren't go. quite expecting that yeah, one. Go ahead and answer your that. own question. <laughs> well, because I You're mean, like Louis C.K. over there. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you grabbed that one a little too soon. <laughs> then you. <laughs> My answer would be: is obviously you you uh, you find another need. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That's, it's it's uh, you know people have invented or people have produced all of. the you know, products that we currently have in another country, what do Americans do? Well, you find another need to fill and you create that product. And one of the, go, go ahead, ahead, John. No, go ahead. I just wanted to, no, I wanted to double back and say, so Charlie and I presented earlier the idea of, okay, we're kind of okay with tariffs to a point mm -hmm. if there are no other forms of taxes. Cause I would rather, sure. It's a tax on the citizens in, the, in terms of the things that they buy coming into the country, but from a certain standpoint, I like that more than them touching our income. It's like a consumption tax. It, well, and not only that, in a like, way, it's selfish, and I it, it does sort of limit our argument as far as free trade goes. But it does allow things to be cheaper inside the country. You know, it's sort of imported Swiss chocolate is more expensive than Hershey's. <laughs> I, I, I can wrap my head around that. Yeah. Um, why do you oppose that per se? Well, first of all, let's let's preface this with saying. Before Nateonomics jumps right in here and blasts us, um, Charlie the Blocker. <laughs> let's first of all establish that, at least in my view, there are certain things that the government does that I'm not sure how we would take care of. I'm not an anarchist, right? I believe in a limited government. I think defense I think we're all and the Constitution, like right? Just so, wild west. So how do you pay for those things? And I think that's part of this conversation is is for the government to function and provide the necessary duties, the very limited necessary duties that it's been delegated to in the Constitution, how does it function without money? And so in that comparison, I'm for free trade and I'm for no taxes. I w that's the freest you can be. But how do you provide for the defense? So I just want to preface it with that. Well, but it, go ahead and... So also uh, we should we should know, man Nate you're this is a again, lot John. Of, this is a of, lot of disclaimers it's, it's because of, before I speak it's because right of now. how you started this out yeah would you do the, <laughs> this yeah it's bad um, anyway you know I think what Charlie and I are talking about is if let's say for example there were no other taxes and there was say a ten percent tariff on all goods brought into the country that's, so we could pay for the army that 
essentially. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. Like I saw a uh, I saw a bill accidentally when I was trying to research the new Senate tax bill. It was a 400-page document on tariffs that just happened to be passed yesterday. No big deal. We're not going to hear about it in the news. It literally line-itemed thousands of products with these exorbitant tariff rates of, say, 60% for pomegranates to come in. And I mean, that's crazy. And what was it you were saying about airplanes that was essentially happening to kind of rig the game? Well, I've got this ridiculous article I want to dive into, but let's get Nate's take first. We'll let him... We'll let him we'll come let in. Him breathe so a little what's bit. my official question right now? Your official question is... is <laughs> Why did earlier, you buy such bad whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> earlier we were discussing that if if there was no other taxes, yeah. that we would be okay with a, with a tariff. And you said, let's come back to that because okay. I'm going to blast well, you. So, the reason I will is the reason I'd argue against any taxes. We, every single time we argue against the tax, we're going to be able to say, well, we've got to have some kind of way to fund the government. And I'm going to say... The same thing I say about all of them is that there is no good tax. There's not a good tax that doesn't hurt the economy. Every single tax is going to hurt the economy. What what would you say if they could dumb it down, though, to like what we're talking about, where it's literally something minuscule? So let's say they choked the government down to literally the army and it's a 10 percent tariff on goods brought into the country is that a good solution or do you still hate that the issue that i see with it is i don't think that it will help us because what we're talking about is how we're going to make all this money that from goods that are coming in but what Mm -hmm. we're not talking about is how every other country in the world is going to put a tariff on all of our goods that matches whatever tariff we put on theirs which is exactly what happened in uh say 19 30, 1931, the Smoot-Hawley tariff bill, we enacted all these new tariffs on all these countries, and they immediately retaliated and put tariffs on all of our goods. But we should note that while you're making America great again over there, Mm -hmm. that's currently what's happening right now. We're getting, you know, there's tariffs on a lot of our goods going out, but we don't, you know, collect a tariff on goods coming in. It it is, but what I'm saying is in this world, in this situation, you've put me in here where this is, there's no taxes now, and we're only talking about tariffs, that whenever we tax everything that comes into the country first, we all already admitted that the best thing for an economy is that everyone gets everything in the cheapest way possible. But there and is something nice about not seeing the tax come out of second, our pockets. Second, the, uh, well, how does it not come out well, of our does. pockets? Oh, I mean, directly. Like, right, you know, for for example, now it's like we're, we're handed the Big Mac and Uncle Sam grabs the Big Mac out of our hand. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Big Mac. It's mm-hmm. gone. It's There's something nice about us being able to buy inside the country at a lower rate. Secondly, we're 350 million people (laughs) out of almost 7 billion people. And the best thing for our economy is that we can't, not that we just sell things to our citizens, but that we also manufacture things in the United States that other people around the world are going to want to buy. And that's the best thing for our economy as well. And so what I'm saying is while we talk about the a 10% tariff on things coming into the country, we're not realizing that it just gets canceled out by the 10% tariff on the, what's going out of the country. Well, and I do understand where you're coming from because you're kind of also arguing the moral aspect of taxes in essence, right? I mean, really the only fair way to fund the government morally would be a donation system. I mean, It'd be voluntary. We, That'd be the only way. I mean, we already spend, mm-hmm. what, millions, at least millions, if not a billion dollars on all the candidacies that we donate to, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, but I do think we need to note that, yes, that would be the only moral way, but people are so irresponsible in this country, we would essentially have no national defense. How about this? If you, how do you know, I mean, how do you, how can you say that without knowing the person? 
because I've witnessed the bulk of humanity and most people are completely uneducated and unintelligent. I'm How about this? If you, <laughs> if you join the military and you serve for eight years honorably, you never pay for anything again. I'm kind of okay with that. Okay, so we didn't have to have any taxes for that. Everyone just volunteered their service for the time that they were in the military because the rest of their lives are going to be paid for. And how about every company that makes everything the military uses? If you manufacture things for the military. Does then, that favor the military-industrial complex and at the expense of other industries? I still feel like there's a lot of crony capitalism happening in that. No, there <laughs> is. I, I kind of, to a point, agree with him about the personal service that from a you know in a lab standpoint, that's not a bad idea. When he starts stretching it out to the suppliers and stuff, it, that's it, it a, gets more, a little That's a sketchy. tougher point, but what I'm saying is we're, we, you can get the military so, members. So basically you prepay. You pay through your service to mm -hmm. not have to pay taxes. So, so if we, you want to risk your life, you can have the potential for greater prosperity. You always have a military uh, all the time. The military, let's He's say they... sitting on this for a minute. They have a, they, have a, they have a cap on the amount of people they'll take in. They're most definitely going to do it based on everyone's physical strength and their, their physical uh, athletic abilities or whatever they need to do to be in the military. Breaking now on the big freedom show. Yeah. This is earth shattering. That's actually a good idea. That's but actually... I, yeah, that makes my brain... Think hard. <laughs> I, mean, I think I can find some fault and with I'm it. On maybe, the show, okay. maybe, maybe by tomorrow I can can tear them apart. But for now, yeah, touche. Not um, <laughs> speaking but, of, but hold. No, you're right. We're we're getting there. But I've got to cut him off on the suppliers and all that sort of. That's crony capitalism. I will yield. That's what I, I will yield that for now, for that's what I was later. Mr. McCoy, crony capitalism. I've got. A great article from Zero Hedge on crony capitalism, free trade, and tariffs, because believe it or not, there's a huge dispute right now from uh, Boeing and Bombardier, which Boeing is based out of Seattle, and they've got Chicago offices as well. It's the it's the America's largest airplane manufacturing company, and Bombardier is out of Quebec, Quebec, Canada, Quebec, Canada. There we go. That's how you say it. And what's crazy about this article, what strikes me the most first is the crony capitalism that Boeing is allowed to call, basically they call the Federal Trade Commission or the International Trade Commission. They say, hey, we basically don't like what Bombardier is doing because they're creating a plane that we're not creating. We don't even have anything to compare to it. And they're getting all these sales and that's not fair to us as an American company, which is just blows my mind. And so then what does this unelected bureaucratic agency do? They drop a combined 300% tariff on Bombardier. And what blows my mind the most about this article is even Delta, which Delta has ordered 75 planes from Bombardier. They, which is a Minneapolis-based company in the U.S., they also filed documents in this case with the Department of Commerce reiterating that Boeing never competed for that order that eventually went to Bombardier. So Boeing doesn't even have a complaint that compares, but because they're losing sales to a company that's been just better than them in this certain area, they get to complain to unelected bureaucrats who we have no control over. I mean, can you call an unelected bureaucrat, John? Can you and call them and, and old Corker won't take my call. I know, but you and know, then and so then we, they get. They, I do want to interrupt they get for one second. They get three hundred percent. We should passed. note too that every time Trump goes on one of these sort of pomp and circumstance world tours, there's all these huge deals that get done. What company is it? Every single time, what's he trumpeting today? Trump is trumpeting, uh, nice. but no. What's he? What's he raving about with China today? Have you seen that on the news? I haven't seen it. 
it was it was a several hundred million dollar order for Boeing when he went to Saudi Arabia. Hundreds of million dollars for Boeing. It, they're literally being propped up by our national infrastructure. <laughs> like they don't make enough money as it is. I mean, yeah, why can't they compete? When you know, whenever you're trying to make America great again, all you need is Boeing. <laughs> well, if if I could get around to uh, a, a little bit of an economic thing for an overall argument for free trade, if you don't if you don't mind, yes, Nate Anomics. There we go. We got it. And Charlie, the, you're supposed to back me up. The, <laughs> the question that I have to that I have to ask I, is: I the toss. Why uh, why not just buy everything from your hometown, or or why don't you just Produce everything yourself in your own house. Every single thing that you use. Why don't you just produce it yourself? Well, what we found over time is that what helps people is their ability to spend their time doing what they do best and then getting what other people do best from Specialization them. is a beautiful thing. Exactly. Division of labor, specialization, every, every single thing. Uh, that you want can be done better by someone else in a more economic fashion, and you can just spend some money that you made doing what you do best. And that's what we do. That's why we don't all make our own clothing. That's why we don't all grow our own food. And it goes all the way to, well, why don't you only shop in your own county, or why don't you only buy things made in your own state? It keeps going all the way out to the fact that, as a country, it doesn't make sense for us to only buy things that are made in their own country, that the that the specialization that sometimes people in China are faster at making things and they're the way that our money system works out, we can get it at a better rate from them. And what that does is it leaves our economy open to do the things that we do best. Now, what stops that? What stops that is our crazy business taxes that we have on everything. We have almost the highest... And tariffs. What stops us is our 35% business tax that hurts businesses, that stops businesses from being formed in the United States. It's pretty hard for Bombardier to compete with a 300%... Penalty. The part of the <laughs> argument that says, well, okay, well, that's okay for that factory to exist in China because that's going to open our workers up for what we do best and what we can do most economic. Well, that doesn't happen whenever you have a 35% tax on businesses and they won't start. So what you don't see is that the businesses aren't forming because it's so hard to start a business here and it's not in a lot of these other places. And I'll go ahead and uh, that's the sum that up real quick, but I have a couple little quotes. This is an Adam Smith quote that I thought was really good. Adam Smith, economist. Quotable uh, quotes. <laughs> Wealth of Nations. You go back and read it. If uh, I honestly I'd prefer a version that doesn't have all that old uh, 18th century speak in it. Oh, that's a beautiful, but, uh, <laughs> it's beautiful English. But anyway, he said, the motive of these regulations is to extend our own manufacturers, not by their own improvements, but by putting an end to such disagreeable rivals. And that is the reason that we have these is not because, uh, because it really helps anyone. It's, it's not um, because the companies that we're propping up do things better than the, other, than the other companies do. It's because we want our companies to do it. But what you hurt at that time is improvements in technology, improvements in prices, because whenever we are basically subsidizing our own businesses against all the other ones, you don't ever incentivize someone to produce something in a, in a better in a better way. What if the iPhone got subsidized so much by the government that it only cost people $50 to buy 
Do you think that they would have felt the need to add all of these things to the iPhone to get people to pay that much money for it? Or will we still just be sitting here with flip phones all the time because, hey, they're going to make all that money regardless. Maybe a flip phone would be better. (laughs) It probably would be. That probably would have been better for the world to just have flip phones for sure. Um, But I I think that's really all I I really want to say. So after Nate's very eloquent point, I'm going to throw a wrench in things real quick. Do it. Yeah, this is a little bit weird, but... What do you guys think about the main issue? So we're talking about tariffs and sort of the penalties that are imposed on people bringing goods into our country. They ultimately end up being penalties to our citizens. But when you have the situation that we have, I had to keep bringing up China, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of the main offender here. What, What do we do when a country doesn't have any intellectual property laws? So... A big thing that happens right now is, for example, let's say Ford decides to have a part made in China, and they send the schematics over, they they enter a contract with the company, um, they're able to get a great price on their part, they get their order, and then after that order is complete, then the company makes a knockoff that's identical to Ford's part. Mm-hmm. Um, inside of our country, we couldn't do that because that's patent theft, it's, you know, th- that's a big deal. They get sort of arguably an unfair advantage there. They don't have intellectual property laws. How do you guys see that playing it? Should we charge a tariff to countries that don't honor those laws? I mean, obviously the market weeds that out easily. I mean, have you bought, have you ever seen like a Chinese Louis Vuitton versus an American or versus an Italian Louis Vuitton? Where's Louis Vuitton from? People know about, uh, uh, sounds French? French, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Louis Vuitton? (laughs) (laughs) Vuitton. Um, I think that I think Charlie is kind of right about that, that the market, we know that a Chinese knockoff of something is not, I don't want to go buy the Chinese knockoff iPhone, even though it exists right now. I I hate to use this as an example, but so part of what I do is I do some film work for people and there was a part, there's a, a little company here out of Washington state called Lettuce. We won't get into the weeds on this anyway. They spent years developing this device to allow you to be able to pull focus and make this cool cinematic look for your footage when you're filming something. And so that came out. And then two months later, the company that manufactured it for them literally put a replica. I mean, it's identical. There's no difference. The same everything. It's literally identical. They put that out for half the price. How does that weigh into things? I I would say the only thing that our government could do about that would do something about allowing the sale of something that there is a trademark or a patent on in the U.S. from someone who is infringing. So if there is a Chinese knockoff... pull focus, uh, whatever this thing yeah, is that you I'm do. I'm just using that as an um, example because it's a concrete so argument. What I would say is that there could be a law saying that, well, you violated the our patent laws and therefore you can't sell this to people in the United States. So, so essentially you could say, look, we're not going to, well, or, that's one way. Or you could say, okay, if you don't respect the intellectual property as a country, we have the ability to levy a tariff on your country because you're not I hate to use the word fair, but on on a fair playing field, you're taking people's ideas. And I, I do think that the the Chinese do want our money. We do still have the reserve Absolutely. currency of the world, and I think that they want our money. But I don't think that uh, it's the same thing. The tariff uh, on China would be hurting 
everyone at the expense of this company whose patent was infringed on. Would you be okay on. with... So, so let's argue maybe that... Let's say a Chinese band took one of my band's songs and did exactly what our song is. And Man, then that they, doesn't take China. And then, they, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that just takes Hawaii. <laughs> and then, yeah. <laughs> and then they took it... I'm not sure you would prevail in that situation. Uh, no one would. I, I think that... Uh, <laughs> They would they would take that and they just blew up in China and they were Chinese billionaires which I think I don't know if a billionaire in China let's say that a billion yen let's say that they're really rich in China off of this song that I wrote (laughs) unfortunately I think that since that's a separate country and our law has no jurisdiction there that are you okay with our country are you okay with our country kind of quote, throwing its weight around to protect intellectual property at that point. And I'm not talking about for one but, song. I mean, yeah. what, if that, what if that band in China tries to sell records to Americans? See, I mean, so I, I think would that's say that John's should be point. blocked, but I would block that. How, I, do you, I would. how do you do that? And I think, I mean, that's a, that's another well, that's one of those things that's in the weeds. If it's my like, band files the, a trade, uh, a, uh, a trademark a copyright infringement uh, against assuming that your band, band doesn't go bankrupt in the legal process of trying to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's one of those points where it's there's there's some room for discussion and we obviously don't support as a whole just levying a tax across a country. There are, probably are things we can do to pressure some sort of equalization there. But I think what we're finding is that maybe they don't, you know, there is a billion people over there and uh they can still just knock off whatever they want and sell to their billion people, and, and also, they're going to be it okay. Brings the question of what value does intellectual property really have? Yeah, I mean, it's true. I don't know if you can actually put a physical, a real law. Well, we'll get into an intellectual property rights. Yeah, we'll say that one for some other week. time. I just wanted to bring it yeah. up because that's that's <laughs> one of the things that's coming up with the "Make America Great Again," and so. I just wanted to bring that up because it is a little bit of a counterpoint to what well, we're talking I think, about. I think this proves too that you know that there's no perfect market, right? So this proves that it, there is no utopia. We're, we're trying to make the for, best of an imperfect situation. Exactly for people who think there's a utopia out there somewhere, it doesn't exist. Put but down the we, joint. But what we can tell you is that there are ways for people to be the most free with the most opportunity with the uh, best way to live your life and protect yourself, there, there is a way for that to happen, and it's been proven throughout history. And we will go into that on another episode. Guys, thanks for joining us today on The Big Freedom Show. Let us know what you think. Send us an email at info at Take care, and we'll see you next week.